0: Hey, what is up everybody? And welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. The internet's best resource for students looking to get ahead, but not a good resource for learning how to surf horses. That's reasonable. I did see that in a movie once in uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Um, Pretty sure that was actual stuntmen, not CGI. So especially to the point where like okay. they grab the horse's legs and toss horses at each other. That is also real.
1: Uh, I forgot that happened. Yeah. That does sound real, though. It's very Everything real. Everything you're telling me sounds real. And
0: unfortunately, we can't teach you how to do it.
1: I'm not strong enough to throw a horse yet. I'm, oh, I am. I'm trying. I got the exercise routine going. Oh, good. I, you know, the protein smoothies, but...
0: What animal have you started with?
1: Uh, I'm going to be honest. I haven't even gotten to animals yet. <laughs> oh, I haven't okay. thrown any animals.
0: I've thrown like, some, My some grasshoppers. My workout routine you know? is, is weak. Locust
1: throwing. They don't seem to
0: like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Anywho, my name is Thomas Frank, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Martin Bamey. That's what my a- name. Who doesn't like throwing animals, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Actually, when I was a when I was a kid, um, the like bully kid in the neighborhood found a toad in oh. my backyard, and then before I could do anything, he chucked it against my fence, and it died, and I was traumatized. Yeah. And I didn't like him anymore. I didn't really like him in the first place, but you know when you're a kid, you just sort of like hang out with the kids in the neighborhood, even if they're kind of jerks because they're just there
1: yeah yep i i don't know i just didn't have a lot of urges to torture animals
0: yeah me neither weird uh, huh
1: i don't know what it is about it maybe the torturing of animals that might be it that could be the main factor that could be toads are cool look at them
0: i know right they're cute i just yeah i wanted to take pictures of it or i don't know let it go or keep it as a pet yeah i did have a praying mantis a pet once Ooh, that's cool. That was cool and then i let it go i felt bad because i was like there's well, I found crickets and stuff to throw in the little cage, but I was like, he's not really hunting those. It just, it feels wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hunter. I can't be keeping he him He wants in this to cage. earn it. Exactly. Yeah. He wants to earn it. Um, before we get started here, uh, I want to let everyone know that I have to make up these little jokes at the beginning of the podcast. Now, horse surfing may be a great joke, but maybe you're at home Top thinking, notch. this is a terrible joke. Why would he start the podcast with that? he could have started the podcast with a much better saying that is currently locked into my brain right now, but I haven't told him about it. Ooh. Well, you could tell me about it. Crowdsourcing. So, yeah. If you, if you want your uh, stupid opening joke to be on the show, you can tweet me at Tom Frankly, your stupid joke. You can also Instagram me, but I got to tell you, I got to tell everyone, my, my Instagram DMs are, they're overflowing. They're a
1: mess right now.
0: Yeah. I, there's, I think like I'm in a backlog that I will never be able to get out of I, I think I've solidly hit the point where it's like, I can't answer every single one. So I'll still try to answer some, and I'm definitely looking through them for, for questions. We're doing five questions today, but um, Twitter makes it easier because I can see all my app mentions just there's there.
1: Yeah. They're in like in
0: a row. Yes. They're all just sitting there.
1: Cause you gotta, you gotta like click most of the things.
0: Yeah. And actually, you know, what you could do is use the hashtag CIG podcast Ooh. With your joke. Ooh, that's so the best I could hashtag just, I've ever heard. In Tweet Deck, I could make a hashtag CIG podcast column and I would only see stupid intro jokes. That makes sense. Yeah. So good idea. do that if you want to have your joke in the beginning of an episode. Unless I come up with a better joke than you guys. So now <laughs> the ball's in your court. Yeah. No sandbagging here. Anywho, so uh, this episode, like many other of its kind, is going to be five questions from you guys, uh, which I took I think primarily from Instagram this time. That's where I get a lot of my questions now. But for these five questions episodes, I take questions from all manner of sources: Twitter, email, Facebook, whatever. Beep Bop. Now I'm just making up social networks. Yeah. Flebo. Flebo. That's, That's a pretty cool one. Is that a Fleabo. real one? Because that sounds like a,
1: that sounds like a good one. That's like, like a good.
0: If it's not real, then you make it. My friend Matt once tried to make a social network for dogs. Did they like it? I don't know how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I could see how it would work because people make social, like Instagrams for their dog and they get famous. Yeah. Like, doesn't Amar's dog have more followers than he does on Instagram or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Dogs are cute. I could see how it could happen. I see exactly how it happens. So maybe a social network for dogs is genius, and maybe Matt needs to pick that project back up. Maybe. But whatever social network you use, besides the one for dogs, because I won't be checking that one. Only dogs will be. You can send us questions, and uh, we'll do our little lightning round episodes where we answer five of them like this one. So what do you say we just get into them questions? No. Let's Mm -hmm. push it off further. All right.
1: Double intro. What else do you want to talk about? I don't know.
0: Name of the win. Let's, Let's... discuss the entire wise man's spirit. Everyone hates me now. Let's just get into the questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can derail me pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first question, um, is how do you decide which of your impossible list goals to work on? So for context, my impossible list is a page on my website, which is related to a bucket list. It's got yeah. some differences, but it is basically my form of a long-term goal tracker. It's essentially a big, long list of all these cool things I want to do in my life. Fitness goals, professional goals, um, fun slash insane things that I want to do, like go wingsuit flying someday, go skydiving, travel goals, all kinds of stuff like that. And then as I do them, I cross them off. Now, people are probably saying, like, this sounds like a bucket list. It's very similar to a bucket list. But instead of simply crossing things off and then saying they're done typically what I will do is I'll iterate and make a sub bullet that's more difficult. Hmm. So when I hit a thousand YouTube subscribers, I didn't quit there. I was like, all right, the next goal is 5,000. Or when I ran a triathlon, it's like, all right, well, the next goal is to run like an actual organized triathlon. And after that, maybe it's run an Ironman. I don't know if I care about an Ironman specifically, but the idea is to constantly iterate and to constantly evolve. And then I have also put a last five achieved goals list at the top. And I put the date at which I achieved them. So I can see right at the top how long ago it's been since I did something cool in my life. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I, I don't like have some sort of to-do list item, like make sure I do an impossible list item every single month. But I, wanna, I never want to rest on my laurels. So I want to look at that and be able to say, okay, I've done something cool recently. And also, like I know we've talked about in the in the past, um, accomplishment journals can help yeah. you to maintain high uh, high self esteem and high self confidence because when you feel like you haven't done anything cool in a while, being able to look back on a record of what you've done is very motivating. Yeah. So, given that context, how do I decide which of my impossible list goals to work on? Um, and I know you don't have an impossible list, but I would like to ask you how you decide what goals to work on. For me it's really just a matter of what I'm interested in the time. Like I don't wake up every Monday morning, look at the list and think, all right, let's focus on benching 350 pounds this week just because it's on the list. I'm like that doesn't work for me. Yeah. It's more like I want to do these things. Or, and I, I think it's going to vary based on the goal, you know? So for a goal, like go to the Chinese New Year in China, I don't think that like, that's a super ongoing thing. That's just going to be like, all right, we want to go on a vacation. Let's go to China. Let's experience that. Whereas a goal, like, um, I think one of them is launch a product that makes $15,000 in the first month. Okay. That's like an ongoing professional goal. I should be working towards that. That's not like a opportunistic goal. That's a, procedural goal. It's something that I I should be working steadily towards. Same with um, growing my YouTube channel subscriber base. It's like that's something that happens every single day. So if I want to achieve that goal, I should just be asking myself, how do I improve the day-to-day growth numbers? And how much do I care? Like I don't have a specific date for getting to, well, I, I have actually did not iterate past a million on YouTube because I got to the point where I don't care anymore
1: so you can just focus on other types of goals now yes. instead.
0: Yeah. But like say say I did have 5 million on there. There's not a date on there, but I could be asking myself like what could I do to increase growth? Make more content, make better content, have better calls to action at the end of videos, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um but often it's just it's just a factor of what I'm interested in at the time. So right now, what I'm interested in is mountain biking and preparing my body for ninja warrior. Those are the two things I want to do. Those are both on my impossible list in one form or the other. Mountain biking is there in the form of learn how to do dirt jumps. And then Ninja Warrior is there in the form of get on Ninja Warrior and make it past the qualifying round. Okay. That's all
1: I want. That's pretty reasonable.
0: Then again, if I do it, I will then iterate and say, okay, now make it to nationals. Unless you hate it. Unless I hate it, but I don't think I'm going to hate it because I love parkour. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a combination of uh, of going with my interests, but also looking at the list often and, and asking myself like, which of these goals should be ongoing works in progress?
1: Yeah, so that's pretty similar to how I choose things actually. And I do have an impossible list of sorts. Oh, yeah. I don't necessarily bother to iterate things afterward. It's, it's maybe closer to a bucket list, but I don't have it published anywhere. It's just in an iCloud note. Um, I was
0: about to ask do you can I see it?
1: Uh no, it's a secret. But
0: I I bet you're serious about that.
1: Um I don't know. It's probably not really a secret. I just don't share a lot. You just don't care with it's the internet. Thing. I don't care. Um but so it's definitely got the sort of short-term things like I would like to at some point be on a, a boat of some form. Like, completely surrounded by ocean. I can see nothing else. Oh, ocean. That's a crazy experience. See a whale in its natural habitat. um, Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Those things, like you said, it's sort of, am I inspired to do it, and is it convenient right now? Yeah. Because today, I'm not going to see a whale in its natural habitat. Never say never. I'm currently in Denver, (laughs) and I have no flights We could get to the coast uh,
0: in two hours, three hours. I don't want to fair enough.
1: <laughs> today, it's uh I feel like I have stuff to do. Yeah, probably. But then there's other stuff like uh regain the weight that I had at my like fitness peak. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's something like you said it's ongoing. I don't get to just say I'm not inspired to exercise today. For basic stuff like that, it that needs to be like a habit of some form that slowly gets there. But it's definitely just inspiration because I've tried forcing progress on goals like that in the past. And all it ever does is sap the joy out of everything. Yeah. All it like, you know, if I'm like, I love reading, but if I make it, if I like take my Goodreads reading goal for the year too seriously or something and demand that I've read this many goals every month, eventually I just get frustrated. I don't like reading as much. It becomes a chore. So I try to really kind of follow inspiration. Yeah. At all times.
0: There's a couple of goals that I've set multiple years in a row and have never actually achieved. The Goodreads reading goal. I have never read as many books as I set out to read in Goodreads. Okay. And I have never hit my mileage goal in Strava.
1: But like, you don't, you can't beat yourself up over it. And then the last like week mm-hmm. of the year, you're like, okay, <laughs> I have to ride. Okay. it's So it's winter. I, I need to ride <laughs> 200 more miles. It's fine. Whoops. And I got to read three books while I'm doing it. Uh, maybe I'll count audiobooks, and yeah. then I'll just do that while biking the the 200 miles. Problem I'll, solved. I'll listen
0: to audiobooks at 2x speed. I'll get a fat bike so I can ride in the winter in the snow. Yeah, It'll be fine. I'll ride 200 miles in a day.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like the same reason. Uh, if I do have a daily habit, if I'm doing like every every day for two weeks. I'm going to read for a half hour Mm -hmm. or something. I try to do those things earlier in the day because once it gets to the point where it's maybe 11 and I'm like, oh God, I wanted to go to sleep, but I haven't done this and now I have to force myself to read it. I'm, I'm falling asleep doing it. I don't like it anymore and it's not good. And then I just get really debilitated because accomplishing things doesn't mean much if I hate them by the time I've accomplished them.
0: Very true, yeah. So. And one thing to note is those Goodreads goals, the mere presence of them made me read more books the Strava one made me ride more miles. Yeah. Maybe I didn't hit 750 miles in a year, but I did have multiple days where I rode 40 miles, and that may not have happened. The one thing I'm realizing is now that I'm doing mountain biking, road biking seems like zero fun. Yeah. Like, mountain biking like, is like, oh, all everything's fun. all flat. It is. It's all on pavement. It's not, I mean, it's kind of fun if you're going down a hill sometimes, but there's, There is a huge difference between going down a paved hill and going down a trail with rocks and curves and berms and things like that. It's just, it's so different. And I don't think, I may track mountain bike rides on Strava, but I don't think I'll ever have a goal. And if I really think about it with road cycling, my motivation to ride long distances on my road bike has always been to see a big number in Strava or to yeah. be able to say, I rode 50 miles today, guys, or I rode 1,000 vertical feet. How cool is that? My motivation to ride a mountain bike is pure in the moment fun.
1: And that's probably, that. maybe that's just a better way I think it's for so much biking better. to be yeah. in your life. Yeah, because if you got the output-based, like, unless I've accomplished this, mm-hmm. it wasn't worth it. Yeah. But the input-based goal of just fun is probably gonna make you ride more. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not more distance-wise, but more like calories, more calories burned, more yeah. often, something like that. Because I assume that you can get farther, faster on a road bike because you're not in well, a bunch of danger if you go super fast. Depends on the fast. terrain.
0: Yeah, you're not going to get farther in a you know dirt road in the mountains. That's true. Well, I mean, if you're just, if
1: you're just going for miles, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, but by any other metric that probably matters more.
0: Yeah, you become a skilled rider on a mountain bike more. Yeah, clearly. I mean, other than potentially riding in traffic, I guess you get more skilled dodging cars on a road bike. But yeah, I'm not going to quit road biking. It's a great way to get to work. But if I'm like, I want to go for a bike ride for fun, I'm probably going to drive out to a trail Hmm. nine times out of 10. And I would only go on my road bike if it was like, I have very little time or something. But even then, like there's bike parks near us that I can go to. Yeah. So that, that's something that I think about is like, am, am I just chasing the metrics or am I doing something that does bring progression, but also I enjoy doing in the moment. Same with climbing that I'm doing right now versus simply lifting weights. With both, I'm gaining new skills and I'm I'm strengthening my body in the act. But when I'm climbing a route, I'm also really enjoying myself. And when I'm just doing a set of shoulder presses there's zero fun being had at it, the time. Yeah, it's
1: only for the, it's like if I go rollerblading instead of jogging because I mm-hmm. hate running, I'll quit within a block. Yep. I'll be all exhausted because my cardio is terrible for that thing. And because I'm mad that I've not seen anything, I've only gone a block, but I'll yeah. rollerblade for 14 miles because even when I can't breathe, I'll just say, well, it's not that hard to keep going a little. I'll catch my breath while still seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's just fun, I think is more important than trying to force the goals. So inspiration yeah. is more important.
0: What do you think of the people who say that like goals are bad and you should just have no goals? Um, I've read articles that are just like, instead of goals, just have habits or instead of goals, just live your life. Like, I mean, it, think it makes sense in a, in a way,
1: like don't have goals that you think define your worth as a person necessarily. Yeah. Don't think that you are nothing but the goals, but... I don't think that it hurts me to want to see a whale, for example. Yeah. It's not like crushing my dreams, keeping me from daily joy. Mm-hmm. I think it's only when, you, when you've when you got so many big ambitious goals that you can't enjoy anything anymore. Yeah. And when you overwhelm yourself, so you're not even making progress. You're just freaking out about your goals that you're failing at every day. Mm-hmm. Like clearly they don't serve you. But it's a different kind of goal, I think, for yeah. that kind of sentiment. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but you're clearly taking the goal too seriously
0: in -hmm. that sense. You let it take over your life.
1: Yeah, you're making the goal more important than you living Mm -hmm. and happening to achieve something cool.
0: Like, uh, I I guess I liken it to, you could either have a faster rider in front of you if you're on a mountain bike, and they could be motivating you to push yourself to try things you wouldn't try uh, to go faster. Or you could just like, have this set in stone goal that, that doesn't bring you any joy, but you just like decided to doggedly stick to it for some reason. Like I have to yeah. bomb this mountain at 50 miles an hour for no reason.
1: Yeah. Like it's, it's arbitrary and yeah. it's not motivating. Yeah. Those goals are pointless.
0: Cause I think goals are still important in that they push you, right? Like when in 2014, when I said I was going to get a video out every single week, that was a goal. And it was motivating and it, it pushed me to take actions that my body didn't want to take. and My mind didn't want to take at the time out of laziness. You know, I, I could just push this off till next week. I would do it. But because I had committed to it, I did it. And there were definite rewards to that. Yeah. So uh, I feel like this podcast could be renamed to like two guys just talk about the middle option of all things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's perfect balance. Perfectly balanced. There we go. Yeah. It's it's so much more flashy to uh, make these extreme statements like goals are terrible or or you have to have goals or whatever it is. But uh, it's always like the middle way that yeah. seems to work. Like have well, goals, but let, let your interest in the moment sort of also counterbalance your predetermined goals. Yeah. Like maybe you don't have to have
1: like a numerical goal Mm -hmm. you know like i could turn stuff i could turn like um get in a canoe and go three miles i could give it a numerical goal but that's not the point of the goal yeah so maybe maybe working out uh, or reaching a certain weight or biking a certain amount or publishing weekly those can make sense within a short-term time frame to reach something numerical if the numbers actually matter. But if you're just like sticking numbers on stuff to feel impressive, but you don't really wanna do it.
0: Yeah, I don't think numerical is a bad thing all, all the time. No, it, it can
1: work, but only if the number itself, like does it mean something to have right. reached it. Cause otherwise I could just be like, I don't wanna bench press 500 pounds. Does, did I think about that goal? No, I just made it up now. It means nothing. I yeah. don't know that that is even plausible for me. I don't weigh very much. Mm -hmm. Is that plausible? I don't know anything about weightlifting. So I should not pick numbers out of nowhere and then stick to them.
0: Yeah. Uh, The only other thing I'll add here is that whatever goal I choose, I do try to be somewhat focused on it. And as anybody knows, I'm not like the best person in the world at focus, but it is at least a priority. It is something that I'm trying to do. So I'm not looking at my impossible list and saying, I'm working on all of these.
1: Oh, that's a good point.
0: I'm working on getting my powerlifting total up while also training for a triathlon and trying to climb a five ten route. Like those are diametrically opposed things. Yeah, you will do
1: worse trying to do all of them.
0: (laughs) If I want to, you know, get my powerlifting total up, then I'm going to be spending uh, five days a week in the gym working on compound lifts. I'm not going to be out riding 50 miles on the bike to train. I could do all of them and maybe even achieve all of them if I had the genetic potential. But like if I'm doing, if, I, if I'm splitting my training regimen into three different total goals, the progress for each of them will be so slow. Yeah. And progress in one area may even be counterproductive in another area. Yeah. yeah. I may not be giving myself enough time for recovery.
1: Yeah. And I think that the longer you're stuck on one goal, if you don't feel like you're really making like noticeable progress, it can start to feel debilitating. And Mm -hmm. then the goal is not even fun anymore. So setting a reasonably short term, but still purposeful middle goal is a lot better than saying it doesn't matter till you've done it
0: all. Mm -hmm. Question number two, we're going to move on. Uh, How do you deal with building a strong habit when your girlfriend is not on the same page? So I want to expand this question a bit. Because clearly you could just be like, I'm going to do it, you know? When I was growing up in high school, none of my friends were productivity nerds. None of my friends, like my close friends, none of them were like particularly ultra ambitious types. They weren't the kind of people who were in every single club. They were the kind of people who like did their work at school. They weren't failures, but they just like did their work and they were like, I want to hang out afterwards. Yeah. Or maybe have a part-time job. None of them were like elite athletes. None of them were taking all the most advanced classes. And for a long time, I struggled with the whole concept of like that you're the product of the five people you spend the most time around. And like, should I be friends with these people? And I I fundamentally disagree with that concept now. I think you need to spend time around very positive and, and productive and m- motivated people, but they don't need to be your best friends. Yeah. Because your best friends are people you spend time with when you're doing fun things, right?
1: Yeah, you you shouldn't kick all your friends away just because they're not productive because yeah. then you don't have any fun and then you're not going to want to be productive mm-hmm. when you spiral into depression. It's not right, going to exactly. be helpful.
0: Yeah, for the most part, I'm doing my work in solitude or I'm having Jedi Council meetings with people who I really respect, but yeah. I don't need to you know, also go to the arcades with those people. I'm not going to be a failure. But this is an interesting question um, and I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. How do you deal with the fact that your significant other may not have the same level of drive or want to do the same sort of productivity-minded things that you want to do. And I guess I'll put the question to you. Like, do you even care if if you and Ashley aren't of the same mind we when it comes to- We are not. So you're not, okay. We have
1: completely separate goals okay. and things that we want to do with our lives. And we support each other in them, but I don't care at all beyond like- I don't. Know. Yeah, I, I just don't care. Beyond when we wake up, we wake up at the same time. So I guess that could lead to some conflict if I was like, I want to wake up at three. Yeah. Although, honestly, she'd probably only be groggily awake for five minutes and not care long term. <laughs> um, I get up far earlier than Anna does. Yeah, I just don't. We support each other's separate goals. So there's no expectation that mm-hmm. we will join each other on any of them. And it doesn't. Doesn't matter to me. She doesn't have any interest in learning foreign languages that I'm aware of. She doesn't want to be a programmer. She doesn't want to reach my high school fitness weight because that doesn't make sense. <laughs> All my goals are separate, whereas yeah. she wants to work on her personal art and stuff, and I, and I want to work on my photography. And we support each other completely, but they almost never overlap. Even we overlap in the fact that we read, but we do not read even slightly similar books for the most part. It's true. So there's and just... she never
0: takes your recommendations. It's just,
1: yeah, never. It's just completely <laughs> separate, like supporting each other. But there's...
0: Yeah. I don't has know. there ever been anything where the fact that you're not on the same page has put stress on the relationship?
1: Like for habits and goals and stuff. I guess I don't even, I don't even know. I can't think of anything. So like for honestly, the
0: one thing, um, the one thing that, that sticks out in my mind and Anna edits the podcast. So like she'll hear this and we talk about this Hi, Anna. ourselves, you know, in private, um, there's like, I feel like the person that I'm with has to, has to prioritize their health. Like in terms of exercise, in terms of eating healthy, in terms of sleeping enough, these kind of things. And if I was with somebody who like was way on the opposite end of that spectrum for me, who was just like, I'm gonna eat junk food all the time. I I don't ever want to exercise. I don't ever care about my sleep. I don't care about like hygiene, that kind of thing. That would be a huge issue. Um, When I was younger though, I feel like my view on this was skewed too far to like the opposite end, where, where I almost felt like the person that I would date had to be almost like, like me, like had to have the same priorities as me. Like a bunch of athletic fitness. Exactly, like if I'm gonna be an elite athlete, like I have to be with somebody who's an elite athlete, or if I'm gonna be, uh, you know, if I'm gonna be really into one thing, like that person has to be into the same kind of thing. Like you almost have this expectation that the person that you're with because you love them also has to be like sort of mentally aligned with you on all other dimensions. And uh, this is one of the lessons my dad taught me that I, I try to think about a lot and it's sort of ingrained itself into my brain. Um, he once told me that like, you don't have to be exactly like somebody to love them. You just have to support each other. Like you just have to be there for each other in the dimensions that the other person cares about. Yeah. So yes, there are certain aspects of the relationship and there are certain like, ways you go about your daily life and certain habits you're gonna have where there has to be some sort of alignment, otherwise the attraction is going to break down. Like if one person is very concerned with um, staying fit and all that kind of stuff, and the other person is like absolutely not, then that's probably going to break down. But that doesn't mean that some amount of difference between the two people is a deal breaker. Yeah. You know, like if you all of a sudden decide you want to be a marathon runner and you're, and Ashley doesn't want to be a marathon runner, that doesn't mean like you guys are no longer compatible. It just means Ashley doesn't want to be a marathon runner.
1: Yeah. And I I think that like, I used to feel this way for my first couple relationships Mm -hmm. that like you needed to have that similarity because I think, I don't know if it's from TV or something. I don't know where I got the idea, but you know, it's like, let me write down my dream traits for my <laughs> dream girlfriend. What do we got? Well, obviously, I just write everything. Loves video games. <laughs> I'm just going to write basically me dressed as a girl. That's what I was looking for. You know, and it doesn't... Yeah. actually doesn't even play video games. It doesn't matter. It's it true. turns out that those <laughs> things don't matter at all because, in fact... In some ways, if we were more similar, we'd probably be competing with each other and mm. get really annoyed at each other. Like if I was also uh, an illustrator or she was like, I feel like we would just bump heads more. Actually, and, yeah, you're right. Because then it'd be like, oh, Martin's doing so well with that illustration. Oh, then he didn't even try that hard. And then we'd, we'd just fight each other. Yeah. I don't want to be in competition on something like that.
0: Now that you say that, I know for a fact, if I was like really into illustration art, I think there would be a bunch of competitiveness there. Yeah. Yeah. Or like weird. like if
1: Ashley was learning languages and she was like, she learned one more <laughs> than me, I'd be like,
0: I have to learn a new one or I, I'm a failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That could be the thing. The all, The other thing that, that comes to my mind here is what if uh, your significant other is really into the thing you like to do, but like they always wanna go with you and, but you're at different levels.
1: Ooh, well, I think- So like,
0: say like, Anna was super into mountain biking and she actually is and we go sometimes, but like, what if we were so super aligned on that level that like, it got to the point where I felt bad if I ever wanted to go faster or if I ever wanted to go down a trail that she wasn't ready for.
1: That is a dangerous pattern. Yeah, like it's to, okay to if you aren't with.
0: on the same page because that gives you some time to go be an independent person without the other person resenting it.
1: Yeah, it's I, that's incredibly important. Like if that's hard to find, then that time should be forced. You know, it should be yeah. like, I'm going to go for a few hours by myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just because you're two people still. Yeah. And if eventually everything becomes, you're so beholden to the other person that you're like afraid to go have fun because they're going to want to go have fun too. And you just kind of sit around and wait to see if they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Then then things are going to break down eventually as both of you feel paralyzed by each other. Yeah, that's And that, true. That's, that's no good.
0: But, but to be in a long-term committed relationship, you have to respect the other person. Part of that is you learning what the right amount of, I guess, what what you're supposed to expect from the other person and what may be unrealistic. Yeah. Right. But the other part is that person does have to live up to your expectations in certain dimensions and to a certain degree. If you're just not compatible, then you may not be compatible. Yeah. That being said, if you want the other person to change and they're willing to change, you can't expect them to change overnight. So maybe you do want to exercise more, and maybe you do want to have a significant other that exercises more, but right now that person maybe doesn't do it as much as you want to. You can't just be like, all right, overnight, if you don't exercise every day, then we're through. I've prepared like, this exercise routine
1: for you, and you yeah, will follow it now.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's give and take, right? You're two independent people, okay? And if you value the relationship, then you will value the fact that change takes time. And you need to be encouraging, and you need to start slow. Yeah. So maybe, there, hey, there let's... does need to be
1: a base level, though. There so has to be a base you're, level. You're right because, like, I don't want Ashley to unnecessarily give herself early cancer and eat nothing but Twinkies for yes. the next ten. I will. I will stop that. I'll be like, you can't. I'm taking those. You can't eat them. I'm hiding the You can do them. <laughs> <laughs> you're triggering me right now. <laughs> uh, but there, there is a base level because completely, completely unconditional love is like like you could just give that to anyone. If it was completely unconditional, then you might as well just love a rock or a random stranger and say let's get married yeah. because no matter what you do or are or say or want, mm-hmm. I love you. And that and like sure that makes sense in a cool humanity love sort of way, but in a relationship I feel like it people tend to want a little more than just to be an existent person.
0: Yeah, I mean maybe this makes me sound like a terrible person, but like when it comes to romantic relationships, I don't believe in unconditional love. I believe in love that transcends the bounds of uh, unavoidable circumstances. So like if if one of us got horribly injured or disabled or something, love should yeah, transcend Yeah, you wouldn't be like that. peace. <laughs> but if the other person's just like, you know what? I don't care anymore about my goals. I don't care about progressing. I just want to be lazy. Like, I'm sorry. That's going to be a deal breaker. It's just like, you can't just be like, all right, I guess I'll force myself to love this completely different person that you've become because you are no longer the person that I knew really. Like there, there again, has to be some level of alignment. Just realize that sometimes it takes time to change and you need to prioritize communication and compassion to help that change along. Yeah this is a hard area to give concrete advice because relationships are messy. I I don't know, I guess it
1: it makes me think a little bit of how I view, like, if you look up to somebody Mm -hmm. also, basically, if you can't think of something that that person could say or do that would disillusion you and you'd be like, Mm. I don't, I can't accept that. I can't admire you anymore or I can't be with you anymore. If there's nothing you can think of, then... They're, it may be a little too, like, you're deifying them. Yes. You, they're too much on a pedestal. Anybody I've ever looked up to, anybody I've been with, there should be some level where if they break that level, I'm at like, okay, I conditionally was down for this, yeah. but that was a blatant lie. I'm not cool with it anymore.
0: Everyone's held to a standard. It,
1: yeah, it kind of makes sure that I'm not... uh sort of blindly following, unconditionally following something.
0: Mm-hmm. If I can think of a reason, I would stop. Yeah. Uh, question three, what do you think of tiger parents? Do you think what they do is right? I had to look this up. I never, I didn't know that phrase. You never heard of like the tiger parent? Nope. Just like the ultra strict parent who just demands excellence out of their kid in everything, essentially.
1: Yeah. I feel like I've, I know the idea, but I don't know that I've ever known a name for it.
0: There's like, there have been articles about it that I've read before. Yeah, I don't read articles. Certain people target tiger parents. They're on the internet, so. Yeah, I guess, what are your thoughts on parents that are overbearing and uh, I guess they demand that their kids be like professional athletes or geniuses all the time?
1: I think that their heart may be in the right place because they're probably trying to reduce their fear of the uncertainty in their Mm -hmm. child's future. You know, you want want good things for your kid, I hope. I hope I can say that as a general rule. You want good things for your kid. So then because you're afraid they won't happen, you try to force them. But that's just like the goals we were talking about. If I try to force myself to do everything, I will take all of the joy out of it, and Mm -hmm. I will have an empty yet productive, I suppose, existence. So I, and especially like for things like grades and stuff, I don't think grades are even close to the most important thing going on at school, Yeah. at least in America, because the social skills and stuff you build are like, more long-term helpful. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of what some of the classes did, even if I did well. But I don't know. I don't think Tiger parents are evil. They're probably just afraid their children aren't going to succeed at something.
0: Yeah, Yeah, but I think you're right.
1: Maybe Maybe calm down a little bit so that they have the chance to fail, because that's important.
0: And I guess a parent needs to realize that for lack of a better metaphor coming to mind right now, their kid is like a pinball, right? And you're the flipper. Sonic's Sonic. Yeah, Sonic's pinball. This is like Sonic's pinball now. Yeah. So you can influence the direction that that pinball goes when you hit the flipper, but it's going to hit a bunch of other things, and it's going to bounce off in a bunch of different directions because your kid is a human being who has... Interactions and relationships beyond just the one with the parents. Oh, well, that's the problem right there. We need to cut those off. Oh, yeah, and so <laughs> uh, again, to reiterate, I didn't really like Jordan Peterson's book, but there was there was one section where he kind of talked about this where uh these overbearing parents are so concerned with with shielding their children from these bad influences you know, shielding their children from uh, harmful images in the media or from drugs or from bad influences at school. But the problem is when you have taken away every single possible bad influence, you become the bad influence. You become the thing that is destructive in their life because now you're just holding them back or, you know, you, you have destroyed every potential chance they have to learn and grow from adversity when you remove all adversity from their lives, you become the adversity. The only way they're going to grow is by escaping it's by challenging you. you. And yeah. I feel
1: humans are like a little rebellious. Like we want to, to overcome challenges. So yeah. that, that's a good point. If you get rid of
0: all the challenges. I honestly think um, part of becoming a capable adult is realizing that your parents are wrong yeah. and defying them in certain areas.
1: Yeah, it's important I think that's to know like that authority an, figures can yes, be wrong.
0: I think it's an integral part of becoming an independent, capable adult. It's like that first time where you're just like, mom was wrong about that. And I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. You know? And I'm not trying to tell parents to like purposely tell their kids oh, the yeah. wrong things. <laughs> I'm
1: just going to tell them dumb stuff You're a the fallible
0: time. human. You're going to be wrong on your own. You don't have to try to be wrong. But- don't get really mad when your kid makes a different decision. Even if they make the wrong choice, like sure, try to teach them a lesson, try to teach them why the choice they made might not have been the best one. But if they had good intentions, like it's not a a time to punish them. It's a time to say like, all right, you tried to make a good decision. You know, maybe it wasn't the best one, but you tried to make a good independent decision. Well, what
1: you want them to have is like the the critical thinking that you maybe hold. Maybe you want them to be able to follow your critical thinking to mm-hmm. see why you came with that reasoning. But if all you ever do is tell them the reasoning and not yeah. the not the thinking process and they can't work it out themselves, then I mean, once they move out, they won't even know how to tackle new things. They'll just have yeah. to call you and say, What is is this bad? I can't tell. I don't know what danger looks like because I? I just memorized a list of vocabulary words you gave me. Yep. And Ball of spikes wasn't on the list. Is that bad for me? (laughs) I can't tell.
0: Do I eat the laundry pod? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. They
1: look colorful like candy. They do. Do I eat them? Wait
0: a minute. Mom said no candy ever. Oh, that's okay. So I I don't eat eat the laundry pod. But
1: yeah, yeah, and then, and also you're probably as a parent setting yourself up for disappointment when they do eventually not succeed Mm -hmm. at your like perfect, I want them to never fail goals. You're going to be more sad.
0: Now, say you're a tiger parent who understands all this. Say you're still super strict, but you are pushing them towards activities where you will build their critical thinking. I still think that kids need independent time. Um, I mentioned this in a video recently. There was an article that I found on QZ saying that doctors are now prescribing play as like a cure for kids because all these parents are over-scheduling their kids' lives. You've got school, and when you come home from school, you've got music, or you've got Little League, or you've got you know football or something. There's always something these kids are doing. There's never any time to just be a kid. When I was a kid, I, I had tons of time to go out and do whatever I wanted. We went out and built bike ramps in the street, or we had Super Soccer fights, or we sat in the basement and played Pokemon for seven hours on end, because that was my time. Now, I still had part-time jobs when I was a teenager. I still played Little League basketball. I know it's not called Little League basketball, <laughs> but whatever they call it for basketball. I did wrestling with my dad. I did powerlifting competitions with my brother when we were kids. Um, we did things, but there was still time to play. And I think kids need that. Kids need unstructured time to just be left to their own devices. Just the freedom to be a person. Yeah.
1: Yeah, actually that loops back to what I was saying about the like in a relationship. It's important to have some time if, yeah. if you if you work on the same goal at different levels. You want separation because you shouldn't just be I don't know, tied mm-hmm. to someone.
0: Yep. And I mean, I'm I'm not or, a parent or anything.
1: But yeah, yeah, this can be updated if I have children at some point. Well, you know, so I'll what think I about say it.
0: Is I'm not a parent, but I I understand the desire. It, you want the best for your children. So clearly you want them to get ahead and have a leg up on the competition. So the thinking is well, if all the other kids are just going to school, my kid's going to be in school and they're also going to have an after-school tutor so they can you know, get ahead two years in math. And they're going to be in sports so they can get a sports scholarship. And they're going to be in music so they can also get a music scholarship and all these things. Like, I get, I get the sentiment. I see where you're coming from. You want your kid to be advanced so they have uh, the ability to compete because you feel like the marketplace is ultra-competitive. But... I think like, it's just like when I was looking at the class catalog in college and thinking, I'm gonna get ahead by signing up for 27 credit hours. I'm just gonna have all these things being shoved into my brain. I'm gonna become a genius. (laughs) You can't like prescribe growth, right? Yeah. You can set up a curriculum, but there has to be some time for you to independently discover things in the moment. You can't pre-plan everything. Otherwise, you're, you're setting your kid up for depression. You're setting them up for the development of ADD or maybe not ADD, because that's um, genetic, but other attentional disorders and a lot of other bad things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, how are you even going to discover random stuff? I'm reading a book on botany and nobody, I don't think anybody would have prescribed that. It doesn't even line up with my other things that I do, but random discoveries, how they turn out to figure out what they're good at or what they like.
0: The genesis of this career was me learning HTML when I was 12 years old. Yeah. Like if I were to trace it back to one thing, it would have been that. And the only reason that I ever did that is because I was into metal music as a 12 year old, got into the forums for a band I really liked and really wanted to, I think the first thing was I wanted to learn how to code my own forum signature. I wanted to like figure out how to put a picture in it or a GIF. And then after that, I wanted to learn how to make a fan site for a band I liked. And I don't know how many years it's been since then, like... 15, probably. Everything that has come after that career-wise has been because of that one decision. And my parents would have never said, we're going to sign you up for HTML class. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a thing because back then the internet, like that's just a fad. No, this job wasn't real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What are you going to do with that? But I could not know? have grown up and said, so what do you want to be when you're grown up? I want to be a Podcaster, web (laughs) developer guy. Mm -hmm. What's that even mean? That's not work work from
0: remotely. That's not real yet. Yep. And my parents were never that overbearing with my major choice or with my classes or anything. But I do remember them saying like, "If we had to pick something for you, we think like electric engineering or electrical engineering would be a good field for you." Hmm. You know, very very different than what I'm doing now. Yeah. And that's not to say I wouldn't enjoy being an electrical engineer, but left to my own devices, I clearly chose a different path.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, Question number four. What do you do when you've broken up with a significant other or been dumped? And now the thought of that person is interfering with your studies. So how do you deal with the depression and constant mental anguish that comes with the end of a romantic relationship?
1: Yeah. Or really, really, and for what I'm going to say, it probably works for anything. you know, you have a relative die, Something terrible happens. Um, I find repressing thoughts doesn't work at all Mm. if you just blanket want to repress them and not think about it. However, uh, I've had far more success just saying like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna think about this for an hour. This is my life for an hour. This is what I have to do right now. I will think about this later. I will be sad. Mm. That's gonna suck. I'll go be, I'll be alone when I do it. You know, I'll do something I like. I don't know. I'll get a drink that I like. But I'm just not going to think about it for this small window of time. It's a lot easier to manage that because yeah. otherwise you're like, I, I can't ever think about it again. Oh, well, now I'm thinking about it because I'm thinking about whether mm-hmm. I should ever think about it again. And and then it just gets worse and worse and
0: you're you, you know you're just going to like explode in the middle of class. So just like relieving yourself of the pressure that comes with thinking like I'm not allowed to grieve about this anymore. Yeah, you should never
1: not allow yourself. You should, if if you don't want to... Like, if you don't have time, you have class, you have a job or something, mm-hmm. um, it would be much easier to temporarily get away from it. But you can't just ban yourself from yeah. grieving or being stressed, you know? Even if you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go be sad on my lunch break, but when i come back, I'm going to be happy again. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be doing my work mm-hmm. for th- another three hours, and then I can go home. and I can do whatever I want just, it's a temporary thing. If you try to ban it outright, it will not work and it will backfire probably.
0: Yeah. Well, there was something I know my mom taught me when I had my uh, grocery store job at, I think, 15 years old. She told me that if you're having a bad day, you don't bring that into work. Yeah. Because those customers don't need to know you're having a bad day. You are there to serve them. So smile, work hard, and when you clock out, then you can go back to having your bad day and you can get through it. So maybe your studies aren't, you know, you bagging groceries and having to put on a bright face for a customer. But I think the, uh, the mental game there is the same. Don't bring your bad day into your work. And that's going to be easier said than done. But I think that that's combined with that whole acknowledgement that I can deal with this later and I can think about it later. It's going to be helpful. For yeah. just sort of like getting in the frame of mind that allows you to focus on your work instead of focus on this thing that has happened.
1: Yeah. Or even like if it's if it's bad enough, you know, you can take you can take a few days off mm-hmm. or you can say, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the temporary thing where I'm okay for classes or work, but then this weekend I'm gonna just I'm gonna get out of town. I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm yeah. just gonna relax, I'm gonna be alone and I'm just gonna try to like recover and be me for the Mm -hmm. whole weekend. You know, like give yourself a break at some point, but yeah, it's not going to work if you just think I'm going to ban thoughts of all of this sadness
0: forever. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to mention here is, um, another thing I think my mom told me when you get dumped, especially when you get dumped. And I mean, whenever a relationship ends, you need to just accept that it's over. And this is something that took me a long time to learn. When I was 16, I got dumped by a girl and it was devastating. Oh no. And I do remember for probably a solid four weeks being uh, at the same time, very depressed about it, but also thinking like, no, this was supposed to work out. Like she'll get back with me eventually. Like I just have to wait or I have to say the exact right thing. Maybe I have to like give her some space for a few months and then come back. And like, I was constantly dwelling on that thought which just kept me sad for longer.
1: Yeah, you're just, you're like rubbing salt in your own wound over and over.
0: Yeah, and just like the belief that it was meant to be or that, of course, you're gonna get back together. That's just gonna keep you in that state of mental anguish for a longer period of time. Now, you know what? Maybe you get dumped and two years later, you end up back with that person and they realize that they dumped you for the wrong reason and maybe it works out, maybe. Probably
1: not because you obsessed about them for two
0: years. Yeah, uh, that's probably not going to happen. They probably dumped you for a reason. But even if it does, it does you no good to dwell on that thought after you've been dumped. So I think it's, you know, when that happens, it's time to say, okay, they clearly decided to make that very significant decision to end this relationship for whatever reasons they had. Maybe it was me, maybe it was them, maybe it was both of us, but it's over. And it's okay to be sad about it, but you need to accept that it's done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Time heals all wounds, but not when you're dwelling on this, you know, fake possibility of it, of it happening again. Yeah. And I,
1: I remember distinctly when uh, one of my first relationships ended, I was like really sad about it. But at the same time, I really like the feeling of, like, a new beginning, which is why mm-hmm. I like new semesters and the concept of, like, refreshing life every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. And though it's a sad reason for a new beginning, it still is one. So I take it with all the seriousness that I would take, like, any any new beginning. Like, I start a new book. It's a brand new start. This is the best that we have. Mm-hmm. We start from this starting point, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I just move on. Yeah. Something about the, like, the drama surrounding a new chapter in life. Mm-hmm helps interest me enough to get past things like that a little easier. It's at least a slightly positive side.
0: There's potential there. Yeah, it's like potential. It, It keeps you from being hopeless. Yes, yeah. There's potential and there's hope and you don't know what's gonna happen. That's exciting. All right, final question. And there's actually some detail here. All right, this fall, I'm starting a computer science program, but for some reason I feel very uncertain about my major. I love computers, I love building and fixing them. I love managing servers, all of that stuff but I've never been great at math. It has always been my weak point. I've always excelled at memory heavy and language classes. And I'm gonna have to take a a lot of high level math classes for this program, like calculus one, two, and three. I put 34 here. I don't think there's a calculus Calculus 34. 34 sounds pretty tough. (laughs) It's gonna be real tough. I gotta take all these in order to graduate. So any tips for dealing with these classes? Uh, This was the reason that I decided to major in MIS. You didn't want to do math? Yeah, I was scared of math.
1: The it, math has some pretty horrible branding <laughs> behind it, doesn't it? It really it's, does. <laughs> yep. Math is the
0: villain of of education somehow. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. I think it's the fact that math is How do I how do I put this? I think it's the fact that it's very easy to see the high level of math because it uses a bunch of abstract symbols. So you can look at a crazy calc three formula and very clearly like at a glance see that, oh, that's way beyond what I can do. Whereas with say English, maybe the prose of Shakespeare is far beyond what you can currently write originally from your own head, but it at least uses a language you're familiar with and you can at least analyze it and understand it because language in writing is meant to communicate something to people. And a lot of time it's meant to communicate things to the masses. So you can look at uh, you know, any sort of famous literature and think, I understand that, so I can work with that. I can memorize facts about history. But when I look at a bunch of derivative symbols and a bunch of Greek symbols and all these things, like it's just like alien language to me. And I think that a lot of people who believe that they are naturally bad at math are simply people who had an initial reaction, a repulsion to the perceived difficulty because they're able to see the higher level in plain view and they decided, oh, I'm not cut out for that. I'm not gonna work hard at that.
1: Yeah, it just looks impossible from the yes. get-go because it's it's a different language. It's written in its own little math language mm-hmm. that you couldn't possibly guess. But even if you couldn't fully understand the high-level prose, you could at least kind of maybe guess. Yep you have a starting point that you could start to pick at. But if I look at some math and I don't know what the
0: symbols mean, like mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything at all. And you you also just have to realize that math is a discipline where fundamental concepts are required and higher level concepts build off of each other. You can't really jump into the deep end and just and understand what you're doing. It doesn't work.
1: It's also easy to be you know? shown that you're wrong, which probably yeah. doesn't feel good. That's because true. Because if I'm misinterpreting a passage... It's like a little open for in- interpretation, you yeah. know? Like, oh, I see. I just need to switch this idea. That does make more sense. But with mm-hmm. math, it's like, oh, look, you were wrong, wrong, wrong. You were wrong on all 40 of these. Yep. You're really bad.
0: At, like 40 <laughs> failures, they're all distinct failures. Yeah. And they all feel bad. Yep. Um, another thought here. I remember an article that Hank Green wrote on Medium a while ago, and perhaps mm. we can find it for the show notes. He was writing about the particular reasons why YouTube has been so successful. And one of his theories was that there's like this connection with the audience that is predicated on the fact that the audience watches your content. They realize that at a certain level, it is impressive. The fact that you you know how to use these cameras, you know how to use these lights, all these kind of things. You have these presentation skills, but there's still some amount of I could do that in there, like so, if you watch Hank Green making a vlogbrothers video talking to the camera, talking about giraffes or whatever you're you're thinking in the back of your head, I could probably do that, so it's easier yeah. to
1: find inspiration because you're not like uh,
0: yeah, what's the word intimidated and so he, and this is why so many kids today say I want to be a youtuber because there's like that feeling mm. of I could do that yeah there are less. People who are fewer people who are saying, I want to be, um, you know, a Hollywood director. Because you look at a Hollywood movie and you're just like, how? how you I you don't, how you don't do even do really that? know what that means. Like, what does yeah. it even
1: mean? It's so big and abstract that mm-hmm. you can't take steps toward it without further
0: research. Yeah. So, same thing. You look at somebody solving a problem from Calculus 3 and you haven't even finished Calculus 1. You're just like, I can plainly see how complex that is and I will never be able to do that. But if you put in the work, if you solve the problems, and you stick with it, I think that you can learn the math. I am hundred percent confident that if I had actually gone into a computer science program with the right mindset and the the willingness to work on the problems, that I would have been able to do it. Yeah, I, I don't think calc- I don't think you know calculus, and I don't think computer science as a degree is beyond my level, you know, beyond my ability. I just think I would have had to work hard and have a more positive attitude toward the math.
1: Yeah. I didn't even like taking the math classes I did take mm-hmm. because there was there was a long while where I was really confused by it. But the only way I got through it was saying, Okay, I'm I, I spent like six hours going through the homework tiny step by tiny step. Yeah. And and I and I'd get it wrong and then I'd just go I'd try to reverse engineer it and be like, Where am I wrong? And I'd hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And once it clicked, hmm suddenly it felt fun, because I was like, ha, I'm going to succeed at the next one, and then I get the next one right. Now I feel great. It's like a success spiral. It's like, Mm -hmm. because math is so intimidating, you have no confidence. And when you, it's like uh, the procrastination equation, you know, like, if you don't think you're going to succeed at something, it's really hard to motivate yourself to do it. So that initial, like, six hours of, I'm so bad at this one problem, like, how could I not understand this? But once it clicks it can only keep getting better until you have to find the next hard part that takes six hours of grueling focus. Mm-hmm. Sometimes life's like that. It'd be like that sometimes. It'd be
0: like that sometimes. <laughs> it's a free psychological help for yeah. you right
1: there. You just, but once you, once you burst through, it will mm-hmm. feel so much better because it
0: feels good to be good at things. Yeah. And uh, I just thought of this. If anyone listening to this wants a good analogous experience to this that is less painful than math, but still gives you that same like feeling of being lost and then triumph when it clicks. Go play the game Picross. Oh yeah. Because when you get into some of the higher levels in Picross, you will be sitting there for 20 minutes going, I don't know what to do. I can't Seriously, go forward. I, I have no clue. There's nothing that's telling me what to do. And yeah, I sit there and I play Picross. It's one of my favorite games on my Switch right now. And I'll just be sitting there, like staring at it for a good 10 minutes with no moves, I'm just like, and I, I don't play with assists ever. And then finally, I'll just be like, wait a minute. If that's that, then that has to be that. And then it clicks and then things start to fall into place. And there might be several different stages in one puzzle where I'm like, I'll get stuck and sit there and then have a breakthrough. Yeah. And just like with math problems, there are occasionally times where I will be sure I'm on the right track, I'll lay my little blue tiles down and then I'll realize, oh no, I made a mistake. And it was like four moves ago. And it's just like, it's devastating because you can't even remember the moves you made. There's no undo button. You just have to (laughs) manually undo the mistakes you've made. So you have to like logically work backwards and try to remember what you've done. And I think I haven't had a time yet where I have to straight up reset the puzzle because I've screwed it up badly enough. But every time it happens, my immediate thought is, I'll never figure out how to undo it. I have to reset the puzzle. But then when I sit there and think about it a little harder and just be patient, every single time so far, I have figured out where I went wrong. I figured out the mistake, usually just counted wrong or I made some logical leap that was incorrect. And then I figure it out and solve the puzzle. And it's just like that with math. You get to these stages where you've you've made one wrong step in a problem and you feel like the only option is just to give up but in reality, if you work backwards and you think about it, you can probably find yeah. where you went wrong and you can solve it. And that will make you a better problem solver. Well, that's why I reverse engineered him. Because I want to yeah. know why.
1: Why did I put the wrong thing there? Mm-hmm. Not, oh, I'll just I'll just undo it. I want to know what happened in my head yeah. that made me think that was the right answer because only when I understand that will I be able to stop doing it. Yeah. And this analysis, like it helps everything. Mm -hmm. Once you get this kind of confidence in your ability to solve new and challenging problems, like where can't it extend? Yeah. Everything becomes something that just takes, I just got to get it to click the right way.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Man, now I want to go play the (laughs) cross. Yeah, I do too. I'll probably do that tonight. Ooh, and I'll do it on the plane tomorrow because I have a switch.
1: I'll do it while driving. Don't do that. <laughs> even You're, though that's a pretty terrible.
0: you will be you will be driving straight across Nebraska. Yeah, that's,
1: that's a particularly terrible driving activity. I think.
0: Technically, if you had solving lane keep logical assist, visual problems, <laughs> if you had lane keep assist and adaptive cruise on the eighty going across Nebraska, I think a car could literally drive itself with those two features, because there's nobody on the roads and it's just like a straight shot.
1: Yeah, until I get excited that I found the right step and I like like accidentally slam my foot on the gas. Oh, there you go, yeah. <laughs> I'll just not do that.
0: Maybe not. The other thing I'll say here though is if the math really isn't for you, there are careers out there where you get to work with computers and you don't have to do high-level math. Working in IT does not require high-level math. Maybe doing heavy computer science programming does, but- even the programming you do, I mean, you're working with regular expressions, you're working with yeah. object-oriented code. There's not a whole lot of crazy math you have to do. Every once in a while,
1: yeah. something alg- algorithm-y happens, mm-hmm. you know, but, but not, even not that, that, that often. What? Algebra. And it's like, yeah, it's like solving a couple. I've never had to use the advanced math that I learned. Yeah, Like it doesn't do Me anything. Either. You just get through it for class and then it expands your mind maybe, or you just hated it and you cheated with the answers from the back of the book, you know? You, you get yeah. what you take out of it, but... Um, if you're coding a physics
0: engine for a video game... Then you're going to yes, need it. you need calculus. Yeah. But if you're coding, you know, a recommendation algorithm for a website, then you may need nothing more than uh, statistics. Yeah. Y- you know, maybe you took a Bayesian statistics class. You don't need uh Diffy Q. Or maybe you just want to be a network admin. Well, for that, you need basically no math. Yeah. I don't want to say no math, but you need nothing calculus and above to be a network tech.
1: No, so not really. that's
0: why I went into management information systems because that was like the, you can be an IT person and you don't have to go any further than Calc 1. So don't be afraid of the math. Be confident that you could do it with the work, but there are also other avenues out there if you really don't want to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So those are our five questions. Um, like I said at the beginning of the episode, guys, if you want to send your questions, you can send them to us either through Instagram or Twitter or email. Uh, I'll just give you our handles for Instagram and Twitter. I'm Tom Frankly, and you are yo, Martholomew. Yep. on both social networks so if you've got questions send them over to us those questions often become the basis for new episode topics or they find their way into five questions episodes. Also if you want to tweet me new epi- or new episode intros that are stupid but funnier than ones that I can come up with then uh, tweet them over to me at Tom frankly with the hashtag Podcast. and speaking of CIG podcast you can find the show notes for this episode over at cigpodcast.com slash 227 or by clicking the link in the description down below. You'll find links to any articles we happen to mention. And I almost forgot to mention, for people who who wanna get better at math out there, I have got a a video about how to get better at math. So instead of reiterating every single math technique Hmm. in this episode, just go to the show notes and check out that video. I've got some good stuff in there. Uh, last but not least, you can find our favorite resources for improving your life as a student, getting more organized, becoming more productive at collegeinfogeek.comslash resources. And there you'll also find our college packing guide with everything you need to bring to your dorm or your apartment and nothing you don't, along with our essential books list, which has lots of different recommended books that we think every student should read. And a couple that maybe you don't have to read, but I love. Yeah, books are cool. Like, uh, punching a dolphin in the mouth. I forget. I forget the exact title of that book, but it's from the oatmeal. Yeah. It has not left the list because it's great. And sometimes you just need to read a stupid book. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you're subscribed on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, or wherever you typically listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, then give us a rating and review in Apple podcasts. Uh, that definitely helps us out. And I'm going to take a page for my friend Matt's uh, podcast, Money Lab, which you should also subscribe to if you like business. Uh, If you don't want to write a big, long review, just make a review that's an emoji. Oh, that's fair. (laughs) I would love to see what emoji you pick. Uh, Anyway, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So thank you guys for listening and we will see you in the next one. Stay cute.